0: So here's a question, in a world that keeps moving faster and faster, how do women leaders like us, women who want to make an impact in the world through our career or business and not sacrifice our home life, how do we create balance and fulfillment in our lives both at work and at home without facing burnout or constantly feeling like we're chasing an impossible dream? That's the question and this show explores the answers. Welcome to the Selfless Syndrome Show. I'm your host, Dr. Alex Swenson-Ridley, and I'm on a mission to help women leaders break through burnout so that they can build the life and body they are worthy of, and step into the awesome power of who they really are. I'm the selfless syndrome mentor, a board-certified women's health and leadership coach, and alternative medicine practitioner. I'm a wife, mom, and stepmom to four boys, and a furball, and I'm the founder of a rapidly growing women-centered coaching business. Stick around, because on this show, you'll learn how to create the life, body, and career you've always dreamed of without having to sacrifice who you really are. Let's go. Hello, welcome back to Emerge, the
1: health podcast for busy, high-performing women. I'm your host, Dr. Alex Swenson Ridley. I'm really excited to be joined today by Cheryl Anjanette, who is an author, international speaker, thought leader, 30-year C-suite executive, Global 100 Media Arts and Communication Advisor, certified business strategist, integrative hypnotherapist, neuro-linguistic programming practitioner, and mindset coach with advanced certifications in strategy and human performance, clinical stress, anxiety and self-regulation, and cognitive behavioral neuroscience. She is the author of a brand new book called The Imposter Lies Within, Silence Your Inner Critic, Tame Your Fear, Unleash Your Badassery, which is a holistic journey journey past imposter syndrome um, and just came out this past May. So Cheryl, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, you have lots of things and directions that you've got in your life that I both am on a similar journey and like really excited to just dive into this. So um, we will definitely talk through imposter syndrome because it's something I find so many women deal with. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. I know you have thoughts on most of us are dealing with it on some level, but um, before we jump into that, I'd love to just hear, you know, what brought you to this point of writing this book and, you know.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Mission. You know, it's a lot, you know, a lot of people ask me that and it was I, I, you know, I'd gone through this, the business world. I was an entrepreneur three times. Actually, I would say this is my fourth entrepreneurial venture, but I've also been in the mm-hmm. C-suite for a couple of very large companies, billion dollar companies and different industries. And, you know, it kind of got to a point where it was like, oh my goodness, I'm just really not enjoying this anymore. I've been there, I've done it, but, you know, I'm kind of helping everyone else with their dreams and getting their companies in order. And I just took a step back and realized that what I loved was the healing arts. I loved the coaching. I loved the guidance. I loved the teams. I loved seeing people succeed. And so I did that deep dive into hypnotherapy and NLP and all the things you just talked about, Dr. Alex. But then I started thinking, okay, helping people with their dreams is really about manifestation. And people were just getting the manifestation piece, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. They were just getting an incomplete recipe for it. You know, yeah. it sort of they were doing all the things, but then they'd say, Well, why isn't it working? Or why does it work sometimes? Or why am I just calling in exactly what I have or you know, more of what I already have, or the opposite of what I want. And so I started to really look at the gaps and I said, you know, we're, we are always manifesting. So here I went, I did a big jump from imposter syndrome to manifestation, right? Okay, but, I like but, it. <laughs> but, 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 you know, I was thinking, okay, we're always manifesting, always. We're always calling in what we're thinking about, what we're sending out energetically, what we're thinking about. And we're just not doing it by design we're doing it by default. You know, it's kind of like we're on default mode, what's going on below the surface. And then I start to look into imposter syndrome. And I spent a couple of years on this audio app, just really bringing in men and women, not just women, really talking about their experiences, their feelings of not feeling good enough or worthy or deserving. You know, I started to explore thought patterns and self-talk. And we did a lot of hypnotherapy through that with individuals. And so I was working with individuals. I was working with groups and I really just started to research this. And I I thought, you know what, this is the reason that we we aren't manifesting. This is the reason we're not calling in our Dreams, if you will, it's almost like it's the cracks in the foundation or the gaps. You know, I know, I know, I know, but why do I still feel I know how to do that, but why why aren't I doing it? Why why am I not doing why do I keep self-sabotaging? Why do I feel like no matter what my accomplishments are, that I don't feel good enough or I don't feel worthy, or I don't feel deserving. So I just thought I need to figure out what the root cause of that is? What's the origin? And then how do we get past it? You see what I'm yeah. saying? And so, yeah. and, and people were saying, oh, you can't get past it. Everybody has it. You know, you mm-hmm. probably heard that, right? Oh, everybody oh, yeah. has it. Everybody has it. <laughs> everybody has it. <laughs> and you just have to live with it. And, you know, who can get past it? You know, it's always going to pop up. And call me stubborn, but I said, no. <laughs> I think you. I think that's wrong. I think that's, you know, that's not the yeah. right, right way to think about this. I think there's a way past it, and I don't think everybody gets it. But getting past
1: it. Let's let's dive into. And I know from kind of what I've seen, you you look at imposter syndrome a little differently. And just a acknowledging that everybody's dealing with it, right, on some level, and then also taking the stance that, you know, we can get past it. And I, I also want to dive into the, you know, manifestation, because that's something I haven't talked about much on the show, but I've been learning more about, um, you know, I'm in a PhD program in integrative medicine that's based in quantum physics. So I I love these conversations, um, even though I feel like in two years, I still barely understand quantum physics, but <laughs> it's, we we can talk some about that too. But, you know, let's, let's start to dive into how, wh- what do we do? Like, when you say it's possible to get past imposter syndrome, like "What? what is that? How do we start to make those changes? And I know your book probably does into this, but let's just, let's go there.
2: Yeah, the book does um, kind of take you through that journey from awareness to insight, to alignment, to integration. So if it's okay, let me first um, really define what imposter syndrome is, just because yeah. I think that, yeah. that sometimes we're starting with different ideas of what it is. Um, But it's actually a psychological pattern, and the emphasis is on the word pattern because this does become patterned or habitual in our brain, where somebody feels like they're not good enough in spite of their accomplishments. Now, the in spite of is important because there's actually a disconnect. There's what we call cognitive dissonance. The reality does not match our feeling about it,
1: right? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Our lens is skewed. We, mm-hmm. you know, and and it's really crippling. So when people say to somebody that's experiencing imposter syndrome, look, you're you're amazing, look, you're doing this PhD, you've done all these things, wow. And you're you're like, oh yes, and your cognitive brain, right? The 10%, right. a conscious mind above the surface is going, yeah, I'm I'm a badass. But inside we're feeling like, oh my God, I'm not good enough. They're gonna figure out, I'm gonna be exposed in any moment. And I don't love the word imposter, frankly, because I think a lot of people think that means you're really an imposter. And so one of the things I clear up in the book, because I talk about eight of the myths is imposter syndrome doesn't mean you're an imposter Mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean other people think you're an imposter. It's that we feel like an imposter, imposter. even though the evidence tells us otherwise, right? So When I look at getting past it, I use what a very holistic approach. So you're going to love it is, you know, most people are dealing with outside in, just feel your fear and do it anyway. They'll say, right. Just feel your fear. Once you've pushed through it, you're going to gain confidence and you won't have that imposter syndrome thing. (laughs) And that's part of the solution, but it is not the cure. That's another myth. And they were working with outside in techniques, write down your Brag list, or I call it your badass list, or you know, just there are just a number of what I call the outside in techniques, strategies that are really, really helpful. But they weren't addressing the inside out. Where does that come from? So my my whole approach is: we need an inside out and an outside in um, approach to this. We need to figure out where did those beliefs, because that's what they really are: their beliefs about ourselves and the world come from? What was the root of I'm not good enough, or I'm not worthy, or I'm not deserving, right? Yeah. So that that's kind of a lot, and I can tell you more about that. But if I did want to just come back to one thing you asked me so I don't forget to address it. And it's this idea of, well, does everyone just have it, and do we just have to live with it? Yeah. Right. So imposter syndrome is incredibly common. Before the pandemic, really good studies, because you know, studies, there are a lot of studies out there. Yeah. Um, But really good studies showed that about 70% of people identified as experiencing imposter syndrome. And by the way, I, I always use the word experience. I don't say suffer and I don't say struggle because our subconscious mind is always listening. So if we just change struggle and suffer to experience, it just feels like it's to our subconscious mind, which is literal, Mm -hmm. it just feels like something easier to overcome. So since the pandemic, with all the uncertainty, that that number's gone up to something like 85% of people. So that's a lot of people, but that's not everyone, right? Somewhere around 15 to 30% of people do not experience imposter syndrome, or at least they're not aware that they do. But that means not everyone. And I do live with somebody that does not experience imposter syndrome, nor has he. So I actually have proof and I've gotten myself past it. So I know it can be done and I've gotten numerous people past it. So I know it can be done. Um, So first and foremost, it's this belief that we think, first of all, we first think we're the only ones that are experiencing this right? it's We feel yeah. really lonely. We suppress the emotions. What if someone finds out that I'm not as good and there's some shame around that? And we suppress it. And we feel like, oh my God, I'm the only one. But then the pendulum swings and it's like, oh, I'm not the only one. In fact, everybody has it. So it's somewhere in between there. Right. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not everybody. Yeah. And this idea that you just have to live with it is another belief. And mm-hmm. if you believe that, that will be your reality. Because yeah. again, our beliefs are not the reality, they're our reality. So if you believe that you can get past it, I, you know, and I believe that I've put this together as sort of, you might call it a protocol or a methodology to get past it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's where I'd like to just say, you really can get past it. And I can tell you what that looks like like it. Let's do it. Yeah. (laughs) So getting past imposter syndrome does not mean that you no longer have fear. Getting past imposter syndrome does not mean that there is no doubt in your life that you just are good to go. It does not mean you stop being human. It does not mean you stop comparing yourself. So if you read the book, there's a whole chapter and a whole concept I put together Which I think you're going to love, called the healthy zone. And in the healthy zone, almost any behavior and any feeling can be considered healthy. We want fear. Fear is wired into us. It's our great protector. Can you imagine life really with no fear? Yeah. You know, truly, we'd run into the lion's den. So in the healthy zone, it's adaptive. It gives us the adrenaline. It lets us look for threats, but it doesn't send us into a downward spiral. And in the healthy zone, you know, we need our discernment muscle, doubt, right? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine no doubt? You'd believe everyone. Then you'd be taken by the real imposters, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we need doubt because doubt's our discernment muscle, right? In the healthy zone, it's adaptive. So we go, okay, is there something I should pay attention to? Maybe I should, mm-hmm. you know, get a few more recommendations or ask a few more questions before I just believe everything this person's telling me, you know, maybe I need to pay attention. Um, so perfectionism, you know, there's actually out of the four types of perfectionism, one of them is healthy. One of them is adaptive. So there's the healthy zone. So when you get in, when you get past imposter syndrome and doubt comes up or fear, they're adaptive. And if you start to get to the edge of that, let's say something happens like a loss of a job or a loss of a person or a loss of a relationship, right? Or a loss of where you live, you move. It could even be a something where you're going to something, but there's right. a big change. You can find yourself just on the outskirts of that healthy zone, even a little bit outside of this in almost like a no man's land, but inside your internal knowing that you're good enough, worthy and deserving, that your voice matters and you matter, is strong. It's not going to throw you spinning. And you have the techniques on the outside and you repattern the mind. You can kick yourself right back into the healthy zone. Yeah. And how long that takes, it can be it can be almost instantaneously. It can take, you know, a few minutes. It can take a few hours. It could take a few days. In some cases, it could take a few months. You know, grief needs a natural process. So you don't yeah. need to be out there spinning, but you could be a little bit on the edge, and that would be normal, right? Because we're human. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I really like that definition. And it just you know, in like this doesn't just apply to imposter syndrome either. Like there's you know we we can have a healthy there's healthy conflict there, so like all of our emotions can be have a healthy place to live. It's when we go to one extreme or the other that we get out of balance
2: so yeah exactly exactly so when we're talking about that origin you know there's mm-hmm. another concept called the mind stack that i talk about in the book okay and this i think you're going to find really interesting it's similar but different mm-hmm. than what you might see with some others that are kind of explore the mind yeah and i think about the mind stack um almost like if we do, we, you know, we have a behavior, you know, maybe we're procrastinating or we have these emotions or we're starting to ruminate or we're comparing ourselves and it just kind of stops us in our track and we find ourselves lacking. We're, 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 um, comparing down, you know, or comparing up, you know, whatever it is, but that's the behavior. That's the behavior. So if you start to go down in the mind stack, just below the behavior is our self-talk. And just below our self-talk are our thoughts. And just below our thoughts are our beliefs. Now, you might think that the beliefs were foundational, but actually there's a layer below our beliefs, Mm
1: -hmm. and that is
2: our experiences. Yeah. So- and there's a lot at play here because there's the actual experience, but then there is our own unique personality and DNA, right? You have twins that have the exact same experience and the way they interpret that experience and the weight it has for them is different mm-hmm. to people, right? So, and it's not so much, so again, it's not so much the experience but the meaning we give the, yeah, experience, the experience and the interpretation yep. we had at that age and that stage.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So when you do this deep dive and I usually not always I have other ways to do it, but usually hypnotherapy is a really powerful way to do it Yeah, because yeah. it's rapid, but we find those originating experiences and the interpretation. And you can imagine that a four-year-old or a five-year-old little girl or little boy is going to have a very different interpretation of an experience than a forty-year-old or a fifty-year-old or a sixty-year-old would have, yep. or a twenty-year-old would have, for that matter. Yeah. Very
1: true, and I love this idea because there's so much truth. You know, I'm just thinking like my own childhood, and my brother and I were not twins or anything, but we have really different memories and different, you know, we assign different meaning to certain events and experiences that happened. And we're very different people. And so there's so much like, just for those listening, there's, you know, there's all these layers, right. We have to, have to start to peel back and, but as you do the work, like I find it credible just to, you know, peel back the layers and it's so fun and freeing and like all the things to really find that.
2: Yeah, Fantastic. it is fun and freeing. It's terrifying for some people. Yeah. Because they've been suppressing those emotions for so long. And if there's trauma or drama in there, mm-hmm. it's it's you know, you you it's almost like, oh my god, am I gonna open Pandora's box? Yeah. And so there is a really healthy and loving way to do this where you never go back into trauma or drama. You know, you can get yeah. the observer role, but we can go back and we can. Talk to that child also, because it's not just for our mm-hmm. conscious mind. You know, there's that gap between knowing and doing and feeling with yeah. imposter syndrome, right? That's the disconnect. So we want to get the feeling on board. And the feeling is the narrative or the story we've given an emotion. The emotion is the physical. You know, we have a physical reaction. We know that. We, right, we know right. where we feel fear in our body. We know we where we feel happiness. And the feeling is the narrative for the story we give to that emotion. And so I go back in, let's say there's, um, for example, I just did this this morning. There was a really, really powerful origin story. And we were able to get to this in 10 minutes (laughs) in hypnotherapy. Yeah, My client that felt like her whole self-worth was dependent on what she did, her work, you know, Mm -hmm. and when she had sold her company, she just felt like, She didn't matter anymore. Nothing mattered. And we were able to Mm -hmm. find that when she was eight years old, and her father, who had been an alcoholic and drinking and wasn't there for her, her parents were divorced and didn't really show up. She didn't know if he was going to come. She didn't know if he was going to show up. And when he did show up, he showed up late and he showed up with a big teddy bear that was bigger than she was. And it was all about the thing. And we were able to figure out that. For him, it was all about modeling what he did that was important, you see? And that was the model. It was what you do and what you give and the material things. It's not who you are, that you're just worthy because you are my little girl and you're beautiful and you're having a birthday Mm -hmm. and I can't wait to be with you, you see? And we were able to forgive him by bringing him in her mind to eight years old. And she was able to see him at eight years old. And she was able to help him heal his eight-year-old self. And I'm feeling this in my heart. I don't know if you are. Yeah. As I'm talking about it, I actually feel this because the healing was there, but it's also just the emotions of worthiness. Mm -hmm. And we would have never gotten that at the conscious level, you see?
1: Yeah. And I've talked about it. So maybe we'll go into this a little bit. I've, I've talked some on the show, you know, I... I had like an introduction to hypnotherapy and neurolinguistic programming enough where I'm like, Oh, this is amazing. I want to learn more. And I, yeah. I need to, cause I don't feel like I got enough to really feel like I could practice it, especially virtually like that. There's a disconnect for me there yet. But um, let's talk yet. about, cause you know, yet, yes, it will. Um, there's our conscious mind, which actually only about 5% of our brain power goes to, and then there's our unconscious mind, which is 95%. And so you know I'm just curious from your perspective, like obviously there's tools and things that we can do to fast track you know a lot of major change because if you can shift perspective, bring some unconscious things conscious, or just you know rewire some of that stuff, you have massive change really quickly and you Huge. Can't move backwards,
2: yeah, yeah, um, I mean, I always like to use the words reprogram and repattern because Mm -hmm. we can reprogram and we can actually shift the story, but we can also dissolve and let go. As soon as that little girl, that little boy realizes they can change their own story. So it's not about the adults. Really? We talk to the child because the child, your child, And by the way, I think of them as, it might sound like multiple personalities, but, you know, we talk about the inner child and I think, well, we've got a whole slew of children there because they're they're different ages and stages, right? Um, But if we can talk to that child and let them at that age, because, you know, I find children that are mute. I find children with their backs turned. I find children in fetal positions. I find children that are angry really angry at their adult self. Like, why weren't you there for me? Why aren't you coming for me? So we let Mm -hmm. them express those emotions. Emotions are energy, emotion. They need to be expressed, not repressed, Yeah, right? So we need the child and then we can bring that child up and integrate them into our full life. So then they're able to, Mm -hmm. how would you, would she like to come up? I've only had one case where she said she's not ready and then she was ready the next time. She's okay. not quite ready. She's still angry. But so the next time we went down, she okay, she's ready now. Um, but we bring them back up. How would you like to bring her? Oh, do you want to bring her in your heart? Oh, she just wants to hold my hand, or she wants me to carry her, or she wants to ride on my shoulders. And then, oh, my God, we're up here, and we're playing, and we're laughing, and we're running around in this field, and whatever it is. The children, they're all emotion. They just want to be loved. Yeah. They just want to play, right? Absolutely. And a lot of us have forgotten
1: that part of ourselves, or you know. So my my big passion in life is, you know, standing for women, really finding their truthful self expression, which means doing a lot of this work. Like we have to go through the journey yes. of you know yeah letting all of those parts of ourselves be expressed and feel the emotions that we've because I'm really good at repressing emotions I just this year learned how to turn <laughs> on feelings in my body and it's been like <laughs> you know because us visualize them really well but I don't feel them um so that's yeah. that's been an interesting journey but you know it's the more you can do that like the more you really discover who you are I would say
2: yeah, there's a whole level. book um, chapter on thoughts, and it's funny as you said that I brought it up. It's like I think too much and feel too little. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was Charlie Chaplin. Um, but I I called the Atlas of Your Mind because that was me. I was so analytical, and I kind of yeah. learned to drop into my heart, which is one of the things I teach. How do you drop yeah. out of your head into your heart? Right. There's yeah. so much neuroscience to this too. I've actually joined an organization called the Gender Intelligence Group. Um, oh, and we really work with women and we start to understand how our brains are actually different than the male brain. Yeah, they
1: They're are. They're
2: different. We have so many more connections from the prefrontal cortex, that whole executive function back to the hippocampus. So mm-hmm. if you've ever asked a man, what are you thinking? And he says, nothing. <laughs> Ladies, it's actually true. <laughs> it's actually true. He's yeah. actually really thinking nothing. Mm-hmm. I know nothing. we we're like, that's not true. You're just holding back on me. Mm-hmm. And I think most of us can say that if there's one thing we're really good at, it's repressing emotion. Yeah. Right. But, you know, and the subconscious mind will help you if it's painful, if mm-hmm. those emotions are painful, um, it will help you do it because it wants to protect you. So if you want to, it will do yeah. whatever it can to help you with whatever it is you want. But I'd like to just say one thing, and this is really, really important. Emotions are neither good nor bad. Positive and negative does not mean good or bad. It just means that positive emotions have a higher frequency. They feel better. They're more comfortable. They're light, right? Mm -hmm. Like happiness and joy and love and peace and all of that. Mm And the more dense emotions have a lower vibration. Vibration. And so they don't feel as comfortable in our body, right? Like shame and guilt and blame and anger and frustration and fear. That being said, emotions are neither good nor bad. They just are. And they're they're a language. They're a very important language. So when we feel an emotion like shame, that's the hardest one for most people. Yep. They really want to tuck it away. We, but, but just know that we all have it because we're human. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So So there's a cognitive reframe there. A little reframe for you is, I'm not the only one. I'm <laughs> human. Everybody has shame. Everybody has felt blame. Everybody has felt guilt. Right? There's yep. so much to this. So you don't need to do the deep dive and to understand everything to give yourself grace and space to be human for God's sake, you know, yeah. like, yeah, <laughs> really
1: it's. okay. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, speaking to our audience, I think the, cause I'm one of them, the driven type a high performer, you know, we don't really give ourselves a lot of permission to yeah. be anything but perfect. And when we do that, we're inevitably bottling up a bunch of negativity, like, you know, lower vibrational frequency emotions, I think, because we're beating ourselves up in our head or, you know,
2: we're. But not what is allowing. the root? But what is the root? So it's interesting because I'd love to talk about perfection. Yeah. Let's moment, do it. If that's okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there are, I don't know if you've read the book yet, but there are seven archetypes in the book seven. And it's just a framework to, understand how imposter syndrome may be showing up for you it's not a label Mm -hmm. there's no judgment it's just a we use archetypes to really start to understand ourselves but then there's the origin of it so perfectionism Mm -hmm. is the first of the seven archetypes and And i'll tell you real quickly because i know there's there's going to be curiosity well what are the other ones yeah (laughs) the perfectionist the people pleaser Um, that has trouble setting boundaries, right? Or saying Mm -hmm. no, they put themselves last in their own life. Um, There's the lone ranger who feels like they need to do everything themselves and worries about Mm -hmm. asking for help, right? Because they may be found out as not being good enough. There's the master who just needs one more degree or one more certification to be good enough, right? (laughs) Laugh, laugh, laugh. I know, don't worry, I was all seven. Um, There's the superhero who overdoes everything just to get to the starting gate, really, really feels like they just need to overdo. Right. Mm -hmm. Then there's the savior who feels like they need to come to everyone's rescue. Right. And they may even find people that need rescuing or find projects, or they may create chaos so they can be the rescuer. Mm -hmm. If truth be told. Yeah. And then there's the prodigy. The prodigy is, We all have our zones of genius, but for the prodigy, so when I say zone of genius, you know we all have those things that we're really good at really fast. That Mm -hmm. learning curve, that competency scale is really condensed. Like we start something and it's like, wow, you're you're really good at math, or you're really an amazing artist, or you just really know how to write poetry so well. You put words together and they just sing and you know, or you're just such a good listener. Where did you get all that patience? So we all have our zones of genius. We go from zero to hero or beginner to mastery immediately in those areas, right? They're not always intellectual. So for the prodigy, they feel like they should only go be at the hero level. They need to be at mastery immediately because that learning curve is so scary. They might slip. They might fail. They might be found out as not good enough. So those are the seven, but perfectionism, which I'm going to guess a lot of people are going to relate to. Um, By the way, there are three types of maladaptive perfectionism. I told you there were four types. The three maladaptive are self-critical. So we know about that one, right? right? Right. It's our inner critic that's loud and proud and taking center stage All the time telling us, you know, why we weren't good enough. And then there's the other-oriented perfectionist. We tend to be really hard on other people, and sometimes we don't even realize it. So it takes some radical self-honesty. And then there's the cultural perfectionist or social perfectionist. It may come from family dynamics or your culture, or it could be because you're in a profession that takes high degree of precision, like an attorney or a doctor or an engineer an architect, but there's the other oriented perfectionist so we're just really hard and we feel like we have to we have to deliver hundred percent 100 percent of the time right right there's no space there there's no grace even right. when we say there is we beat ourselves up even if we celebrate which usually we don't, it's short-lived and we continue to see the flaw right right. So I'd like you to imagine, well, first of all, where does that really come from? Generally, it comes from control or lack Mm. of control. Something, if we were to really go into the origin story, we feel like we didn't have control over ourselves, over our world, right? And different personalities are going to perceive different instances of that in different ways. And sometimes it was really modeled for us. The people mm-hmm. around us were very controlling, so it can be generational, but this lack of control. So we try to control the outcome for everything. So control is a big piece of that origin story with perfectionism. And so I want you to imagine, and you don't have to believe this, but I want you to just let in the possibility of control being a myth. I want you to imagine that there really is no control. At everything you've hung your hat on and we talk about control over the all the time we even say right. well just look at that and if you have no control over it let it go we use the word control all the time you're going to start catching yourself so yeah. i want you to imagine if you have no control and people are probably listening to this going what <laughs> <laughs> now what Right? It feels like a big void. Well, what, what goes into that void, but it's not a void because here's what you do have. And it's so much better. You always have choice, even when you think you don't, mm-hmm. and you always have influence, even when you think mm-hmm. you don't. Yeah. Yes. So imagine, first of all, where, um, where do we have choice? Where do we always have choice? We always have choice in what we choose to think about in the thought we put in our head, right? We always have choice in how we frame something. We always have that choice. And that thought itself, right now you took two or three really deep breaths, really deep into your belly, let them go and put something in your mind. Just put everything else out in the parking lot for a moment. Put something in your mind that you're really grateful for. Think about someone or something that you're really happy about or some someone or something, it doesn't matter. One thought, it's instantaneous. Your whole body relaxes, doesn't it? The emotions relax. The world feels different. We just put everything else outside the bubble for a moment. Everything else goes in the parking lot and you just breathe into that and you focus on that one thing. Everything changes. I mean, read the story of Nelson Mandela in prison yeah. for all those years, right? Yeah. And we always have influence, but where do we have the most influence? The place we always have the most influence first is ourselves, right? Right? We can always create influence first and foremost. So sometimes we feel like we might be in the workplace. I feel kind of trapped. I feel like I don't have any influence. But when you start to influence your thinking and your choices, you can actually gain more influence, right? We've all done that. right? right? Yep. At any moment, we have a choice in the way we word something to something, someone. Mm-hmm. And we go, oh, that was a lot more... That, that got a much better response because I approached it this way than it would have, if I'd approached it that way. Yeah. Right. So we yeah. always have influence.
1: Yeah. I like that. I always talk about, you know, control as a figment of our imagination, but I think you give it context in a way that's a lot more tangible. I hadn't broken it down that way but it's so true you know we always i actually love that i
2: didn't know that that's the way you talk about it and it's the same thing so we're absolutely like-minded on that
1: yeah yeah which is you know for a lot of people it's very scary but it's it's um it doesn't have to be yeah it's liberating like there's so much freedom
2: there's so much freedom in that
1: letting go of that so yeah um, awesome.
2: So, and I,
1: I, I was curious in the seven archetypes cause I'm like, Oh, I see myself in all those. And I think you said that, <laughs> is it normal to have more than one that you really identify with? <laughs> um, I have
2: yet to meet somebody that doesn't identify with more than one that is experiencing imposter syndrome. And I go into this pretty deep in the book. Um, there are a lot of behaviors and, patterns and emotions for each one. So you can start to see how they're showing up, but I very rarely, rarely do that. And you can start to even see how they'll start to layer over each other. So, right. Like, you know, the lone ranger is usually also identifying with perfectionism, right? People pleasers and saviors tend to go together. Right. Like people pleaser. People pleaser was the most painful for me. Mm -hmm. Of all of the seven, I would say that was the most painful, right? Because I was really, I really had trouble saying no. I had trouble with the boundaries, really a lot of trouble with the boundaries. And my belief was that if I didn't say yes, people weren't going to like me. I wasn't going to belong Mm -hmm. anymore, they weren't mm-hmm. going to want me. So I better just keep saying, yes, 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 yes. Right? Yeah. Even in business, not just in pers- my personal life. And having been a single mom for 20 years, it was like, I have to just keep saying yes and do whatever I need to do. I'm the breadwinner for this family. I've got to make it happen. Yeah. Um, and But some of that was, those were my stories because when I did set my boundaries, actually people respected me more. And it got Mm -hmm. so much more. And one of the things with people-pleaser is we actually end up feeling resentful or feeling like the martyr, don't we? Yeah. What's your like one of those seven that really hit you?
1: (laughs) Hit me? Uh, Honestly, like I can see them coming out in different the master is one that I I think I deal with the most often (laughs) I'm currently in a PhD program for my second doctorate degree (laughs) 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 I need to be no um and then you know and Lone Ranger probably spoke to me a little bit as well because I have a hard time delegating but um previously in my life people producing was very strong at savior like that's how I actually ended up in my first marriage to an alcoholic you know and (laughs) all makes sense, yeah. but yeah. lack of boundaries yeah. and all of that.
2: So lack of boundaries yeah. and, um, yeah, my first marriage was, um, a man who, you know, I don't want to say narcissistic personality disorder because that's diagnosed mm-hmm. by right. a professional, um, but definitely narcissistic personality traits, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it was painful, but I put myself in there. That's who I attracted, Yeah, yeah. you know, and I allowed Same. a lot of that behavior to continue. So yeah. for years, years and years. So um, at the end of the day, you know, it's easy to play victim and look what he did to me, or look at what they did to me. But at the end of the day, when we get stronger, it's, and we start to say, okay, what can I adjust? What can I change? What can I heal so that I a get stronger and move myself out of this situation, but also set myself up to attract manifest,
1: <laughs> which we haven't, so let's, we, we should talk about the manifestation piece too, because,
2: yeah, you know, I, what we really want, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I agree. There's this, you know, like the the secret came out in the the book and all that and I remember reading it in my 20s and being like, so I just think about what I really want and it's going to happen. And there's more to it than that. Like, and I think quantum physics has done a good job of kind of starting to bridge that gap of like the world of manifestation and, you know, how we actually incorporate that in our lives realistically, right? So, yes. I'd love to hear your hear your input on
0: what is, it's you know, really, what's missing.
2: So, I haven't actually ever said this out loud and <laughs> I think I just had an aha moment. I met I shared, I'm going, I'm going to talk into that for a moment, but I'm but I'm going to tell you my husband, my current husband who I did manifest. And when he showed up after 20 years of dating and blah, 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 it was like in my mind, and I am intuitive, but it was like, oh, there you are. Finally. (laughs) I mean, it was that simple. We've never had an argument. I've never had the, I like this, but I don't like that, or the lists. I've never Mm -hmm. had any of that. Um, but he manifests, he doesn't even realize this, by the way. He doesn't put words to it, but he just manifests so effortlessly. It's unfriggin' believable. He's yeah. an architect and I he does country clubs and resort hotels, that kind of stuff. But he said, I'd really, you know, before I finish with my career, I'd really like to design a um a building, like a high a high rise. And like within three months, he got contracted for it. It was like, you just say it out loud and it happens. I really like this to happen. And it happens. It's crazy. But the manifestation piece, you're right. It's, you can't just, I I don't want to say you can't because I don't like to use superlatives. I don't like Mm -hmm. to say you must, or you can't, or this or that. But I'd invite you to consider that... Our language is multifaceted. Yeah. The way we the way we connect, it's you might think of it like a radio signal, right? Mm-hmm. So when you put a radio signal out to the universe, so we use the language of the universe, and we're the receivers, right? Yes. And by the way, the universe is this very abundant, benevolent giver. Yes. Right. As That's our best interest of our subconscious at heart. mind. <laughs> The universe really wants to give you, whether you call that God or whatever you want to call that, absolutely wants to give you exactly that which you desire. As long as it understands what that is. So consider a radio signal. We're putting out this signal going, universe, I would like this now. Like my husband, I'd really like to do a project like that. And it wants to give us exactly that. But it gets confused because our words are one way we communicate. Our thoughts are another way we communicate. Our self-talk, the dialogue between our ears gets muddled with the thought. And then our emotions, which is one component, a very significant component of our whole energy makeup, our energy dynamic is probably the most powerful part of that conversation. So for us to get a clear radio signal, all of that has to come together, align, converge, right? Not be this yeah. disparate wire. So if you were, does anyone ever listen to radio by anymore, by the way? <laughs> um, but if you does, were turning those old dials, I'm probably <laughs> too old, but I think, I think I'm going to be 60 this year. So I think that, I'm probably in our age group, probably a little older than a lot of your audience. But if you think about turning a radio dial, when you go between stations, you get static. So most of us are giving out static and we're giving out conflicting information. We have something called secondary gains. So I say, a real easy way to understand secondary gains is with the weight loss, which loss isn't a good word for that, by the way, um, because our subconscious minds, see loss as something we should look for. If you lose something, it wants to find it. You know, Mm -hmm. there are lost and founds everywhere. (laughs) And gain is supposed to be a good thing. I like it. Right? Yeah, Gain is supposed to be a good thing. So we gain abundance, we gain happiness, Mm -hmm. and then we gain weight. Isn't that supposed to be good? Um, So we have to change our words. We release weight. but So weight weight, um, reduction is a really good one because we say, I'd like to release some weight. I'd like to get rid of this. I'd like to let this go. And I really like all that healthy food, actually. That sounds pretty good to eat salmon and to have the, you know, whatever. All that food looks really good. But I also really like to eat what I want to eat when I want to eat it, not think about it too much. I like to give myself those sweet treats at the end of the day or you know, so we're, we're sending out two different messages. So one of the things when we're working, first of all, with imposter syndrome, that's different than weight reduction, right. But with imposter syndrome, it's like my cognitive brain, which you called it 5%, call it somewhere 5 to 10%. If you think about it's like the top floor, but you get in the elevator and you start to go down stories Mm -hmm. into, right. That's the subconscious mind. So maybe deep in my subconscious mind, I'm like, I know I'm good enough. I know this company is actually going to be so lucky to have me. And there really isn't anybody else that can do this for them. I can already see it. I can already see what value I have. That's the conscious mind. But deep down in the subconscious mind, it's like, you're not going to be good enough. They're going to end up being disappointed you probably quit because you always quit. You just use a good excuse, you know, if you're a quitter. I mean, I'm not saying you or me or any of us. These are just some of the behaviors, not all the behaviors, but, you know, our subconscious mind is saying something else. Those voices deep down within are saying something else. And so now the universe is confused. Do you want it or don't you? You know, when you go out for a new position or you say, I want this new client in my business. If you're an entrepreneur or I want to ask for my worth, I deserve more. I should be asking for that price. That's my conscious mind. But inside I'm like, you're not worthy of that. What are you kidding? They're going to say, no, you'll never get it. Right. So part of the manifestation is taking care of the imposter syndrome, the cracks in the foundation so we can build a good house or you can think yeah. of it as a garden, pulling out the roots and then adding good nutrients to the soil. What do they call it? When you turn the soil till the soil, whatever, add some good nutrients in and then plant your seeds and let them grow and continue to pull out the weeds. Yeah. Weed your garden. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I think there's a verse in the Bible about that, actually, planting seeds you know, how how you do that, if anyone relates to that. But it's so true. And I, I completely agree with you. And I actually, I love the weight loss, well, weight release. I, I use the word release actually with my clients as well, but you know, that, that tends to be a goal for a lot of women. And I argue, cause it was my experience, you know, we have to do the internal work first. Like it has to, what we're desiring and what, you know, the message that we're putting out, we get what we focus on and what we think about. Right. And so you know, I've shared and been talking quite a bit. I, my original business, I was a chiropractor and I actually went through bankruptcy with that last year and kind of, I knew it wasn't what I wanted to be doing, but I, I essentially set fire to the whole thing and, you know, burned you it down. But, right, Yeah. Yeah. But it was like, you know, when I bought the building for, you know, $500,000, literally everything that could have possibly gone wrong is what went wrong. And it's because it's what I was focused on. And, you know, so we, we get the signals that we, send out. so I think yeah. that's important. And it has to align, you know, if you're telling yourself, Hey, I'm going to lose a hundred pounds, which I've heard from, you know, a client before, but you can't give up the candy that the kids bring you at your job. Cause you you know don't want to say no to them. Something's off there and it's not going to, you know, you're not going to be yeah. successful ultimately. So,
2: yeah, it's interesting because I'm, I think I mentioned earlier that I'm just about to put, I'm putting together, or I should, since I'm putting together, it's together, but launching this voyage, I always call it a voyage. Oh, I think we were talking about that earlier uh, between the two of us, but past um, self-sabotage, which is such a big part of that. Yeah. That's exactly what you're talking about. You know, what, where does this come from? It's mysterious. Why would we, why would we purposefully, self-sabotage why would right right? sabotage is subversive it's you know why would we do that to ourselves but it's mysterious it's coming from deep within so yeah yeah. Yeah. so getting this right is really really important yeah it's really really important yeah and peeling back the layers
1: um, yeah. I feel like we could keep going for very long and I want to be respectful of your time. So, you know, for those listening, obviously there's a book with an amazing title. I love our title. I, I love the idea of releasing your inner badass. So, um, where can we find the book and how else can women connect with you? that
2: you know, maybe you want sure. more. Sure. So the book is, the book is called, um, the imposter lies within. And obviously that's a play on words. It lies within mm-hmm. and it lies within, yep. um, and silence your inner critic, tame your fear, unleash your badassery available. Amazon, of course, Um, Barnes and Noble, and probably now starting to get out into more and more bookstores. So I'm not quite sure um, when your audience listens to this, where it will be, but Amazon and Barnes and Noble certainly online uh, do have it. Good.
1: So there and anywhere else women can go to connect with you. Do you have a website or social media or any of that stuff. If they just want more Cheryl, I know. There. Yeah. Thank <laughs> yeah.
2: you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Cheryl, Cheryl is spelled with an S um, mm-hmm. Cheryl and Jeanette, A N J A N E T T E. I'm sure it will be in the show notes. Yes. And everything for me is kind of in my name. You can email me. Hello at Cheryl You can go to my website, Cheryl You can find me on social media, LinkedIn, Instagram, I'm not big on TikTok, (laughs) but you can probably (laughs) find me probably on Facebook, (laughs) Um, but LinkedIn and Instagram are the easier ways. I'm on Clubhouse quite a bit. I have a room called the Inside Out Club, Um, and I'd love to have you come join us, Dr. Alex. It would be so amazing
0: to have you come and be on
2: our panel sometime. So I'll tell you about that. And um, so that's always on, well, I shouldn't say right now it's on Wednesday mornings, but if you go to the inside out club and yeah, that's where i I can be found. Um,
1: thank you so much. My nightclub is losing it in the background. So I apologize if anyone can hear that, but <laughs> thank you so much. I really enjoyed our conversation and uh, I'm I sure our listeners too. will as well.
2: And I will tell you, there's another book in the works and it's going to be a big one. In fact, it's already pre-sold quite a bit. Um, called Tapped Out. And it's about burnout. Okay.
1: I'm going
2: to have to have you community. back on for talking about that. Because that's a big,
1: big theme with our listeners. So.
2: Big, 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 big. And I've got some big, <laughs> big names with us. I, I don't want to awesome. say yet. So mm-hmm. there, But there can be some big names you're going to hear from
1: in this book. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll look forward to having you
0: back again. You. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode of the selfless syndrome show. I truly couldn't make this show if it weren't for you, my amazing, lovely and loyal listener. I so appreciate the emails, the shout outs, the shares and the reviews, all of which inspire me and motivate me to keep coming back to the mic week after week in order to provide high quality content that helps you find that elusive thing called balance and really build the life, career, and body you are worthy of. I have one little request. If you have benefited from this show in any way, I would so appreciate it if you would go to iTunes and review the show. You can leave a five-star review, leave an honest review. This really helps us get in front of more amazing listeners just like you and keep growing our mission to help women leaders around the world build the life, career, and body they are worthy of.